Hey, we started a new series last week, and we're launching into it, back into it this week. We're going to review, if you missed last week, a little bit of what we did this week, but we're going to have fun in this series if it's all right. We're talking about stewardship in this closing out month of Jan- few, last few days of January, and so we're going to be talking about who we are and what we have as far as time, talents, and treasures. Now, i got a question for you as we begin and here's the question. I want you to think about it. Hopefully you got your outline, by the way. Grab that outline from inside your worship guide. Maybe you got a pen. Maybe you got your iPhone or your iPad or your Bible with you. And we're going to be studying God's word this morning. Here's my question, opening question. Do you like to be deceived? No, no. None of us like to be deceived, do we? I mean, I, you're, I, I don't think that you would kind of be normal if you like somebody to trick you all the time. I had this moment a couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember me telling you this story, where I got tricked. A guy, uh, I, had, I had a little bit of extra money, I'd set aside some money because I wanted to, I'm a big meat eater and I wanted to put some steaks in my fridge and I'd gotten some money at Christmas and I was going to buy some steaks and put it down in the freezer and have steaks anytime. And I was waiting to go to the, uh, to the, to the store to go buy it when this guy pulled up in my driveway with a big old freezer in the back of his truck. You seen these guys driving around? Yeah, and, they, and he showed me this sheet, and I could buy a whole bunch more steaks out of the back of his truck in his freezer if I just bought them on the spot, right? And by the way, money back guarantee, if you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. Well, I was like, okay, you saved me a trip. So I bought the steaks right out of the freezer and, and put them in my freezer, and I was so excited for when my wife got home. I was going to tell her, babe, I got our steaks down in the freezer, right? And she came home, and I told her what I did, and her face said it all. She said, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did. She said, Stephen, they're going to be terrible. I said, you just wait and see. I threw the steaks on the grill that night. They were terrible. So I, I called the guy back up, and needless to say, he didn't want to give me my money back. I had to fight tooth and nail. But I remember there was a period of 48 hours where it looked like I was not going to get my money back on my money. They were not going to do what they said, and I was bent out of shape. You ever been deceived? And it, it, it got you so much that, I mean, you were, they tricked you, and you were like all, I don't know if you get worked up. I got worked up because somebody had told me something and I had bought it hook, line, and sinker, and it wasn't true. I don't think any of us really like to be deceived, but I want to talk to you about um, how we oftentimes can be deceived when it comes to wealth and money. Now, every summer, we have this little experience when we go off on vacation, we take our kids, we have some older kids, we have a few younger kids, we take our kids to the arcade. You ever been to the arcade or the putt-putt place, right? On your vacation, you go to these places, and you, you, you play these games, and these games, um, what's the one that you roll the ball and it goes in the holes? Ski ball, ski ball. You play those and, and you roll those things. And what comes, out of the, what comes out of the game? Tickets. I brought some tickets with me, right? And what's amazing is tickets come out of these machines. Now, when we go on vacation and we go play these games, you will see grown adults go crazy trying to get stupid tickets. And, and, and it's not just us. I mean, somehow or the other, we got it from our kids, too. Our kids, they will start playing these games. And what's amazing is, tell me if you're like me, uh, you play those little games and a few tickets come out, and because you want more tickets, you reach in as close as you can, and you try to steal a few more extra tickets. You know what I'm talking about. Am I telling the truth or what? My kids, now I'm not, and by the way, this is all of them. It gets every one of them. 
they are going around, they're spending money like crazy trying to get these tickets. And what, what ends up happening is they get these tickets, and what are, by the way, what are the tickets good for? What do you do with them? You go get you some prizes, don't you? You go get you some life-changing prizes <laughs> at the prize table, don't you, right? And so what happens is, and by the way, I have seen my kids holding an armful of these things, dragging down, getting ready to go to their prize table. And, and, and here's what happens. You know the game, right? They, they go to the prize table after they spend about 30 bucks, and they, and they, they, get, they get, I brought some prizes here. They, you know, here's one, a little hand thing, you know, make a little noise maker. Woo! Somebody could use this in church. And, and you don't, you, don't you, wouldn't buy, you wouldn't buy multiples of these, you know. You'd get, you'd, you'd spend a, you know, this would be 20 tickets, you know. And this one over here would be 20 tickets and another 20 tickets over there. And by the way, here's, my, here's, here's one. If you spend even more money, like if you spend $30, you might have a little bit of extra. Have you, you can go over there and get these super bouncy balls. You've seen these before? Now, what's interesting is you spent dollars and dollars to be able to get a super bouncy ball. Oh, it's coming back. Oh, oh, oh. Here we go. Help out our deaf section there. There you go, Dominic. Look at that. Woo! I'm coming back at you. Help! Jim, going to get you. Yep. Hey! And you spend dollars and dollars to get these stupid little prizes, right? But what's amazing is, it doesn't matter your age, you are buying into getting all these tickets. You want more and more and more. I've seen, you seen that little game where the light goes around and you try to hit the button in it? Boy, I've seen my children stand there just mesmerized, just trying to get these tickets. And by the way, if you spend about 50 bucks, you can get something even more life-changing than bouncy balls. I mean, you can go like get a stuffed animal, right? Trade that in, get you a little stuffed animal. Put that on Instagram, change your life. Right? Change your life. Now, what's amazing is that we allow this to happen every year. And our kids, they go get these, they go get these tickets. These tickets, they're after these tickets. Thinking that if they go to the prize table, they're going to get something really of worth. And the truth is, you know like I know, we spend a lot more money getting the tickets than the prizes were ever worth, right? Now, maybe you would agree with me, but that little metaphor of these tickets, I'm going to be talking a lot about tickets today, okay? That little metaphor of tickets not quite too different than the way we as adults treat this roll of tickets right here. We have a roll, and we want that roll to grow. And we were going to take that roll over to the prize table. And over at the prize table, we're going to get stuff, right? We're going to get stuff at the prize table, life-changing stuff. You know what I'm talking about, right? But here's what I want to talk about today. The Bible talks about wealth as being one of the most deceiving things that we will ever deal with on this planet. Money and wealth in and of itself is deceiving. It can trick us. Stephen, how, does it, how is it deceiving? How does it trick us? Well, it's, it's kind of simple. It promises things that it really can't deliver on. Just like the, you know, if you get more tickets, if you get more rolls, then you can go over to the prize table and you can get you some happiness, right? You can get you some joy. You can get you some security. And the truth of the matter is, that stuff, when you change it in for your tickets for a little while, for your little prizes, 
It doesn't really meet deep-seated needs that only God was able to meet. It just promises that it's going to give you happiness, it's going to give you security, it's going to give you well-being. It can't deliver on what it really promises. But what's amazing is there are a lot, a lot, a lot of people on planet Earth that are deceived thinking if they can just make that thing right there grow, if they can get more tickets, that they can finally be happy. They can finally feel better if they can only make their tickets grow. Jesus one time was teaching a parable, and he was talking about people just like me and you, normal people. And he talked about how they, they were seeking after God, but money got into their life, and wealth came into their life, and they were deceived, and the, the pursuit of that wealth and the pursuit of monetary gain began to choke out the good work and the good word that God had started in their life, and they were deceived. What I want to talk to you about today is how money and wealth deceives us. And my hope is that you and I, every one of us, no matter where we are, no matter how many tickets we got, because we all got different sizes of tickets, right? Some of you might feel like you ain't got many tickets, but all of us got tickets, right? I want us to leave today with a clear understanding of how money and how wealth can be deceptive, okay? How it can deceive us. Now, before I dive into it too much, let me real quickly just remind you of what we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about how God has blessed us, and I ask you, how many of you are rich financially, and I ask you to raise your hands. Now, I'm going to see if we learned anything last week. How many of you are rich financially? Raise your hands. Yeah, a few of us learned something last week, right? Remember, I asked that question last week, and everybody said, not me, I'm not rich. And then we studied the statistics, and we found out that if you make $37,000, you're in the top 4% of the globe. And if you make $45,000, you're in the top 1% of the whole world. And the truth of the matter is, you and I, we, we, we have been so blessed to live in this area, in this country, and have the opportunities, the resources we've got. We are rich. We even talked about it last week, right? We said... I have more than I need, I am rich. And I talked to you last week about how that whole rich word kind of plays around with us, right? The rich line moves. And and statistically, Gallup did a survey, and they've tried to find out where the rich line is, and nobody would say they're rich. Everybody said, not me. Even the people making $2.5 million, they said, not me. It's the people making $5 million. No matter who you are, you don't want to admit you're rich. You want to say somebody else is rich because you don't feel rich because you think you, 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 want to, you want to have more, right? The feelings make you feel like you'll feel differently some other time, and one day you'll cross over the rich line. So last week, I, I, I asked you to say three I wills, right? I ask you, I, I will admit that I'm rich. Remember that first one? I will admit that I'm blessed. I've been given more than I need. I am rich. And rich people normally never want to admit it. But last week, I asked you to admit it full voice, right? And we did that. I'm going to get you, by the way, to talk to me again, okay? Full voice. I'm going to get you to say some more stuff today. But we said, all of us today, Danny, we said, <laughs> we said, I, am, I will admit that I'm rich. The second thing, you remember we said, I will not feel guilty about my riches. We said, God has blessed me. And I reminded you, it's not really so much about 
you as much as it is about, about your circumstances. God puts you where he puts you. God gave you the opportunities. God blessed you and he provided you the riches. He doesn't want you to feel guilty about it. He wants you to feel grateful that he has blessed you with more than you need. He wants you to feel and live in that gratitude, that gratefulness. And then finally we said, I will learn, third statement, I will learn to act responsibly with the riches God has poured into my life. We're going to talk about that today, but we're going to talk about it through the lens of how oftentimes we are deceived. Now, let me remind you of the series title. Tom, can you throw that there real quickly? We're talking about how to be rich. I'm not talking about how to get rich. You can go to plenty of seminars about that, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're rich, and we have said we are rich. God has blessed us with more than we need. When you're rich, do you really know how to live biblically with the riches God's blessed you with? Do you know how to live and act? Do you know how to be rich? We know a lot of people who do rich poorly, right? Do we know how to do rich well in God's way? And so I'm going to be teaching about what it really means to be rich, how to be, live with the riches God's given us. Now, let's go back to that scripture that we studied last week. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to pick it up in verse 17. And we're not even going to read verse 18 and 19 today. We're going to stay just in verse, um, verse 17. Paul was writing to Timothy. You remember these words? And he said, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Now, I want you to break that down with me for a minute. Command those who are rich. Would you read out loud with me those next four words? In this present world. Come on, you can do louder than that. More In this present world. That means right now, all right? Now, Paul was writing to Timothy because there were people who were rich and they had been blessed with more than they needed in his church. But Scripture is timeless. And so we get to pick up from that same Scripture and we get to say, okay, Paul is saying to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world. If you're rich in this world right now, he's got a word for us. He's going to command us on how to be rich. Now, he doesn't say, hey, Timothy, rebuke them, get on to them, tell them they're not living right. He doesn't say that. He says, command them, those who are rich in this present world, and we've already said, hey, that's us. Here in McDonough, Georgia, Locust Grove, Georgia, that's us, okay? Command those who are rich in this present world. Now, notice something. What does he want to command them? What's the first word there? Somebody help me out. What is he going to say? Not to be what? See, if Paul has anything to say, it's going to boil down to this right out of the gate. He says, Timothy, here's what I want you to tell him. Here's what I want to, t- to tell you, those people that are living in Locust Grove and in McDonough who are the richest people in this present world right now. Here's what I want you to tell them. Not to be arrogant. Now, what is arrogance? Arrogance is thinking we're special or we're more important than somebody else. Arrogance is thinking too highly of myself, right? It's putting me on the pedestal. And Paul is saying, listen, it's very easy to be deceived. And when you get more wealth, when, you, when your tickets get more, and you get more and more tickets, it's real easy to get arrogant. Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not 
to be arrogant. Let's talk about that for a minute. How are people who are rich normally arrogant? You got your pen? Just a couple of thoughts here real quickly. The first one is they they tend to think of themselves as smarter than other people. They tend to think of themselves as smarter. So here's what they think, basically. They think this way. They think the more tickets I get, the more tickets I get, my IQ goes up with the more tickets I get, okay? And if I can get more and more money, if I can get more and more tickets, my IQ is going up. Now, the truth of the matter is, your IQ does not raise just because you get more tickets, does it? You're, you're not getting smarter. Read this scripture with me real quickly that's, that's found in the book, the, the book of Ecclesiastes 9. I have, this is Solomon talking, by the way, one of the smartest, wisest men who ever lived on the planet. Listen to what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. And the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry. And the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It is all decided by chance. I don't like that, by the way. Can I just stop there for a minute? I don't like what he's saying there. There's something kind of un-American about what he's saying there. But let's keep on going for a minute. He says, it is all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. Let me remind you of what I I told you last week, that you having more tickets and you being as rich as you are has more to do with your circumstances than it really does with what you've done, okay? Most of us in this place, we were born in a great country, we were born to a family that gave us opportunities that, that we took advantage of, okay? And that's important. You took advantage of the opportunities that you had, and so you've been able to have more tickets, you've been able to have more wealth and more riches. Mainly, not because you're smarter. It's because you've had greater chances. And Solomon said that. Listen, listen. This is what I observe. Listen, a lot of this all comes down to chance or how God positioned things. So what is he saying to Timothy here? He's saying, Timothy, hey, remind them, listen, don't think you're smarter just because you got more tickets. Don't be arrogant, all right? He's trying to teach us how to be rich, don't be arrogant. Here's another way that arrogant, rich people can sometimes act arrogant. Sometimes they think they're more important than other people, okay? Write that down. Sometimes they think they're more important than other people. By the way, I have a, a great point, great place to watch this with people who've been blessed a lot. I have been very fortunate to be able to go eat uh, lunch, dinner, and breakfast with people who were very rich, all right? And I've been able to see some folks who are very rich uh, treat their waiter and waitress with a lot of respect. And I've seen some folks who were rich absolutely treat their waiter and waitress like they were nothing, right? Like they didn't matter. Like they were lower than them. Like they were better than them, right? And that's not a good thing, by the way, all right? When you go out to eat, let me just tell you a little trick in the food industry. You don't want to treat your waiter or waitress bad. Are you hearing me? They don't always do the right thing back there to the arrogant folk, all right? 
when that food's back in the bag. So so a little tip here, don't be arrogant. When you go to eat somewhere, don't be arrogant. I mean, you be humble and you tip well, right? That's the way, that's the way you need to live. Listen, here's what we're learning here. Wealth can, wealth can very easily, riches can very easily make you think that you're more important or you're special because you got more tickets. And the truth of the matter is, you're not more important, you're not more special. Read this from Romans. Paul was writing to the Roman people and he said these words. He says, don't think that you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. He's saying, don't be arrogant. Now, listen, it reminds me of what my mama used to say. My mama used to say, everybody's good for something, even if it's to be a bad example. You just be honest with who you are, all right? Be honest with who you are and don't be arrogant. What Paul is telling Timothy is to teach the people who have a lot that have been so blessed, hey, listen, it's, it's easy to be deceived and think you're smarter and think you're more important just because you've got more tickets. Don't be arrogant. What he's teaching Timothy to do is to teach them how to be rich. He's showing them how to be rich. Now, let's go back to that opening scripture. And I didn't tell our tech guys that I was going to go back to the opening scripture, but let's go back up at the top. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present world, first thing, not to be arrogant, all right? But watch this. Nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God. Now, what he's telling us here is a few things. First of all, God's not against wealth. He's not against the, you know, uh, if, you, if you've got a big ticket roll. He's not against the wealth, wealth or the wealthy. As a matter, of fact, matter of fact, I hope more of you get big ticket rolls, okay? I hope you have lots of tickets. I just hope you know how to do it well, all right? That's why we're doing this series. We've been given a lot of tickets, right? God's not against people with a lot of wealth. He's not. He owns it all. He set up the system, right? He blesses, he provides, he gives, he takes away. This is who God is. But what we're learning out of this scripture is don't put your hope in your riches. Don't put your hope in your wealth. Don't put your hope in your tickets. That's what Paul is telling Timothy to teach them. Don't put your hope in that place. So real quickly, let's, let's talk about what I taught you last week. Look at your outline there, or you can look at the screen. I'm going to get you to, to say something with me here, and let's recap what we talked about last week. We said, um, first of all, uh, God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. You remember I got you to say that last week? I saw you even. Chris, way to go. Put it, Chris put it on Facebook. I, yeah, Chris got it, right? God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. Now, last week I asked you to say that. And you kind of did it because I told you to, all right? You would go obedient. That's good, okay? But today, now that that word has had time to sit with us, we really understand, man, I have really been blessed with more than I need. I am rich. Today, I'm going to get you to say it out loud and kind of own it a little bit more. Just that first line, all right? God has, let's go. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. Guys, that's us. In this present world, we have been blessed. Now, here's what we're talking about here, and it's that next piece. I will not trust in my riches, but on him who richly provides. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. We're just going to leave it right there. But I want to hit on something for a minute. 
I want you to understand something. All of your life, there's going to be a battle going on within you. You might even want to write this down somewhere, but you don't really have to because you know what I'm about to say. This is true what I'm going to say. All of your life, there is a battle that's going to go inside of you. And here's the name of the battle. Who am I going to trust? Now, it's very easy to trust ourselves and our resources and our intellect. It's very easy to transfer what we might have had was once trust of God over to our expanding ticket roll, okay? But if you want to do rich well, if you want to learn how to be rich, it means, first of all, understanding that God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. And then secondly, understanding, but I will not trust in my riches. But my trust, my hope, All that I lean in and lean towards is going to be the one who provided it for me in God. All of your life, there's going to be a war going on, a battle on who you're going to trust. And by the way, let me just talk to somebody who might be a new Christian here. Maybe say you you became a Christian in the last five years. I don't think I've said this from the pulpit in a very long time. But here's what I want you to know. Just a little truth here. The main, the major competitor for your affections, the main one trying to pull and, and, and gravitationally lift your trust away from Jesus Christ and away from God and pull it to itself is really not even Satan. Now, we believe in an enemy. We believe in an enemy of our souls who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But something that, that Christians of all ages have learned, and Jesus taught it, is the main competitor for the affections of God for most of us is going to end up being money and wealth and possessions. We want to trust, just kind of a natural thing, we want to start trusting in our tickets when our tickets get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I would say to somebody, if they're a young Christian, listen, you've got to guard your heart. You've got to understand that the main competitor for the affections of your heart for most of us is going to be money. Because we, we can be easily deceived. And I would even say probably most of us are deceived into thinking that the tickets are important because we want to collect them and we want to go to the prize table and the prize table is going to make us feel a lot different and a lot better. God's plan, right there in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul said to Timothy, listen, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their trust, put their hope in God. For us, even if it's kind of obligatory and even even if it's with obedience right now, by faith, let's let's go back to that statement. And I want to get you full voice to make that statement about how we are going to live. We're going to do rich well. We're going to do rich God's way. And this is how you do it. Say it with me full voice, the whole thing. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. I will not trust in my riches, but on Him who richly provides. And see, this is for the rest of our time here today. That's what I'm going to talk to you about. Who 
are you trusting in? See, because we live in one of the richest countries in the world. And it goes to, it's just commonsensical that if that's true, that our country is very wealthy and most of us are very wealthy, if that's true, then we have a greater chance to be deceived than other places if you lived in those other places in the world. And here's the question. Are you being deceived? You may have even think you put all your trust and your hope in God, and you're not leaning on wealth or money or riches at all. And what I want to do for the rest of our time is I want to look at four quick indicators so you can know where your hope really is, okay? And here's my hope. I'm going I'm to read out four quick indicators, and I just kind of want, like a litmus test, I kind of want you to let it fall on you, kind of check with your spirit. Is that okay in church? Can we do that? Just, I'm going to read them, and we're going to check with your spirit, and I want you to say, hmm, is that me, or is that not me? And you might be able to check one off and check one off, and just figure out where you are, okay? Is your hope, where is your hope? Is your hope in your wealth, in your ticket roll? Or, or have you placed your hope and your trust fully in God? You got your pen? Let's do these four. We're going to kind of roll through them pretty quick. First one is this. Which statement creates the most anxiety inside you? Which statement between these two? Okay? Here's the first statement. Write this one down. There is no God. Which statement creates the most anxiety? There is no God. Second statement, there is no money in the bank. Write that down. Which of those statements creates the most internal anxiety inside of you? Now, this is the kind of gut check here, because if you, if, the, if, if you would say, hey, there is no God, that's the one who creates the most anxiety, it means you have more trust leaning on God in that area, all right? And you're not worried as much about, you, you understand God's providing for your resources. But if, if you would say, honestly, even secretly in your own heart, that more anxiety flows out of that next one, it says a little something different about who you're really trusting, Okay? Do you have more anxiety about that second statement? If it was said to you, in truthfulness and honesty, you have no money in the bank, would that create more anxiousness than that first statement? Here's a second litmus test, a second little indicator. Write this one down. Do you have money in the bank? Do you have money in the bank, but you have no peace in your heart? Is that you? You've got money. You've got money in the bank. But you don't have peace. I'll say it a little differently. Can you, can you squeeze peace out of your ticket roll? Or maybe you've been trying, hoping, longing to squeeze peace out of your ticket roll. Have you ever seen dirt, poor people that got peace. You ever seen that before? (laughs) Sometimes I think our grandparents got this better than we did. I'll tell you some of the most dirt poor people I've ever seen were some of my my older, my grandparents. They lived on so much less than, than we live on today. And even on what I saw my mom and dad, they had so much less, but they had so much peace. By the way, have you ever seen fabulously rich people with no peace? You've seen that too, haven't you? By the way, just turn on your TV and you'll see people who are fabulously rich with no peace. They're everywhere. They're in every reality show. Some of them taking drugs to go to sleep. Some of them trying to take drugs to wake up and be alert. Some of them just struggling with this and that because they have no peace. 
look at Proverbs 15, 16. The Bible says this. Better to have little with fear of the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. You know what that says to me? That says to me that rich people normally have a lot of turmoil. That rich people, just as a way of life, this way it rolls, you end up having a lot of turmoil. Said a little bit differently, your tickets get bigger, and so you're thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to go over the price table and I'll get something to make me feel a little bit better. And you're hoping peace will flow from the price table. But you don't get more peace. I mean, maybe for a little short little while, the boat made you feel a little bit better, you know, or this or that made you feel a little bit better because you went to the prize table. But then all of a sudden, the real hole that, there, that is there with no peace, it shows back up. And you don't have peace. And the truth of the matter is, you got more stress than you got peace. You got a big ticket roll. But your ticket roll won't buy peace. Here's the second indicator, and I hope you just check in your, your own heart real quickly. Do you, do you have money in the bank, but you don't have peace in your heart? There's only one way to get peace in your heart, and that's through Christ Jesus. And I would say it even a little differently. That's through a daily trust and a hope and a leaning on Christ as the provider for our lives. Third indicator, write this one down. Third indicator. Do you secretly feel, secretly, do you secretly feel that if you had a little more money, you would feel a whole lot better about life? Do you secretly feel that if you had a little more money, you'd feel a whole lot better about life? And this is how this happens. And just this, maybe this is what is going on in your mind. If I, could, if I could get a raise, I know I'd feel better about everything dealing with us and me and our family. I, if I could get a raise. Or if, if, if I could get that job, if I could get that job, I know I'd feel better about our life. And see, it's that thinking, that thinking. If I could only, if I could only, by the way, that's called stinking thinking, okay? I want to write that down, a little gem. Stinking thinking, because sometimes that's all we got going on in our minds, some stinking thinking, all right? If I could only is stinking thinking. And when you think to yourself, if I could only have that, I'd feel better. If I could only have that, I'd feel better. If that's where you're at, that's a, that's a sign. It's a, it's a blinking light that you have transferred some of your trust and your hope over to your ticket roll, that you're trusting in wealth and riches. You haven't put your hope fully in God. Now, I'm just going to take a minute. No, no, no. Bring it back up. That one's mine. <laughs> I'm just going to be a little confessional for a minute, okay? That one's mine. That one reminds me, personally, that, man, sometimes I put my trust and hope in stupid stuff that, that I think is going to be life-changing prizes with my stupid little tickets, right? And it never can satisfy. Case in point, boy, I didn't bring it this morning, um, but I can show it to you. Tom, can you put my iPhones up there on the screen? Uh, you guys know I'm an iPhone junkie, don't you? You ever know that already? All right. See, um, for a long time, I had that one on the far left over there, the four, okay? I had a four, but there were these people walking around with the five. And then the six came out, right? The six. And I'll never forget the first moment I saw 
the six plus Gene, you had it. Gene Dykes had a six plus. Oh, I said, Gene, can I hold it? She said, yeah, and I held her phone, and I looked at it. I pulled up a web page, and I started telling myself all kind of rationalize. By the way, that's what rationalize means. You tell yourself rational lies, right? I started telling myself rationalize. Oh, you know, I don't, I don't think I've been seeing as well. This is going to help me see better. You know, I can read everything a lot better, and I'm only going to get older, so why not get the bigger one, right? You know, and, 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 and the preacher needs a big phone anyway, right? Have you seen the iPhone 6 Plus? By the way, I have it now, so don't judge me, all right? I had to go out and buy me one, and it's like you're walking around with a big book up to your head. I mean, that's, that's what it looks like. Hello? You know, you might as well have a tablet on the side of your head. Ask, ask my wife. I don't even use my phone to answer calls anymore. I use one of those Bluetooth things because I, I feel like I look like a fool with my big old phone upside my head. Now, I want to confess to you that I'm that way about a bunch of things. I mean, I can't hardly walk by an Apple store and not feel like, oh. I would, at Christmas time, I was in Augusta, Georgia, and we, and we walked by the Apple store, and I remember thinking, oh, I got to go in there. I got to go in there. And I told myself another rational lie. I was going to look for Christmas presents for myself. <laughs> you know, and I'm not alone. I'm not. Hey, that's not just me. Can we go back up to point number three for a minute? Point number three is simply this. You, you end up thinking to yourself, if I have a little bit more money or a little bit more something else, I'd feel a lot better about my life. And for me, I'm going to call it what it is. And I'm confessing. This is my little confessional moment in the sermon. I'm going to confess to you that, that every time they put out a new iPhone, oh, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it happens. I get iPhone lust. Now, if you were to be honest, it may not be with the iPhone, but do you have something that when you look at it, you say, man, if I just had that, if I just had that, I'd feel better about life. That'd make me feel good. I'd want that. And it might be a, you know, a different car, might be that Harley because you're driving, you know, something else. I'm just saying, that one's mine. Real quickly, a, a couple, a, a, one more scripture that goes with this one. Those who love money will never have enough. That was written by Solomon one more time, by the way. At the end of his life, one of the richest guys that ever lived on the planet, the king, had everything. And he writes these words, those who love money will never have enough. Can I just tell you that I, I read that this week. When I found that this week, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, this is thousands of years old. This guy was the king of Israel thousands of years ago, and he already knew what the Gallup study we studied last week. That over and over again, we ask people, who, are you rich? And they said, no, it's the people who make more. They never had enough. They never, even if they're multimillionaires, they never had enough. And Solomon already knew that thousands of years ago. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. What are we talking about? We're talking about how to be rich. And Paul was telling Timothy, grasp this, he was telling, hey, tell those people who were rich, and I think Paul is still talking to people who are rich, but now it looks like this. Tell those people who are so rich, and God has blessed them with more than they need, 
that live in McDonough and Locust Grove and Jackson, that live in Stockbridge and in Griffin, tell those people not to be arrogant and not to put your hope and your trust in wealth and money, which so just, it's like a vapor, it just goes away, but to put your hope in God. Tell them that. Is your hope fully in God? You know, money, money won't get your kids off drugs. Money won't cure your best friend of cancer. Money won't change your marriage. How do we get so deceived? How do we get so deceived by thinking, Got to get more tickets. Got to get more tickets. And here's just a little truth. The bigger your ticket roll grows, the easier it is to transfer your trust from God over to yourself and your ticket roll. Fourth indicator. Write this one down if you will. Four quick indicators trying to figure out where your hope and your trust is. Does the fear of not having enough impede your ability to give generously? Does the fear of not having enough impede your ability to give generously? What are we talking about there, Stephen? Well, have have you ever had a need come up and you wanted to meet that need, but you were afraid? You were afraid as a co-worker or as... You know, this person or that person, and you thought to yourself, well, if I do this now, and if I give them that, what, what about me? Am I gonna, is my needs going to be taken care of? And you let that fear stop you from being generous in that moment. Then you, you need to take account of this. Or maybe, listen, here's another way of thinking about it. Maybe you, you've been here, coming here at Harvest Point for a long time, and you hear what a lot of us do. A lot of us understand this biblical concept of giving 10% of all of our tickets to God. right out of the gate, whenever we get paid, we give 10% of God. Why? Because we get to partner with God in what He's doing around the world. And part of that we keeps right here, allows us to do good works here in Henry County, but part of that we send off around the world and we just don't even, we know where it goes, but we don't see the faces, we just send it by faith around the world. And you might be going, man, I want to do that. I want to do that. But I'm afraid. What, what would happen? What if? What if? What would happen to me if I did that? And listen, listen. If you're trusting in God, why wouldn't you give? Why wouldn't you give that ten percent that God commands in the Bible that He says from the tops right there? You're supposed to give to His kingdom. Why wouldn't you? If you if you're letting fear impede you, it's telling you right away that your hope and your trust is not fully in God that you're letting that fear place your hope and your trust in your ticket roll or in you. See, here is how wealth is so deceitful. Satan comes along and he says, listen, listen, you need to just guard your ticket roll, guard your wealth. You, that's is yours. And, And can you just imagine with me for a minute an adult in the arcade Watching all the kids with the tickets. And you're an adult. 
You know the value of the bubbles at the ticket counter. You know it costs less than two cents to make a little bubble thing. And they're trading dollars and dollars and dollars to get the little thing that they think is so grand. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm the one who gave them the money for the tickets in the first place. And they're all about their tickets. Can I just remind you, the Bible says everything is God's. Everything. You and I have been entrusted to hold on to these tickets and He's given some of us more than others, and he's, but all of it He's given to us. And then He said, would you trust me? Would you trust me even though I may make you very wealthy and very rich, some of the richest people on the planet? You see, last thought, wealth can be so deceitful. It can trick us to transfer our hope from the living, breathing God of the universe who loves us so much into the little, small, piddly, stupid stuff. At the end of the day, it won't matter, hill of beans. For you today. Let me just recap and then we're going to pray. God has given you More than you need. You're rich. Don't trust in your riches. But trust in the one who has richly provided for you. And if when we were going through those little indicators, if one of them was flagged, hey, listen, the next few minutes, I want you to just hold that one up before God. It might have been the first one, which was about money in the bank, you know? Hold that one up before God. It might have been that last one. God, why am I so afraid? Why do I let fear? Something about that is making me, it means I'm trusting in the ticket roll, in my money and not in you. Surrender that today. Surrender that. And let's move closer towards what God's real example is of how to be rich. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit, which in this room today is reminding us of who we are and who you are. We're your children. You're our daddy God. You have provided us with so much. Oh, wow. Thank you, oh God, for the blessings you've poured in our life. And thank you that it's not about us. It's all about you. And Lord, I pray you are teaching us to, to learn how to act responsibly with the riches you've given to us. And Lord, if there is any arrogance inside of us that makes us feel smarter because we've got more or, or more important, would you, in the name of Jesus, just remove that from us today? Remove that from us and let us be humble. We know that you bless the humble, but to the arrogant and proud you make war. Would you make us humble, O God? We cry out for humility today. And Lord, I pray that if one of those indicators was there for us, that you would remind us that that's just your Holy Spirit coming alongside us to nudge us and to remind us that we are to put our hope fully in you, trust fully in you, and let let the... Lord, let the lenses of of deception fall away from us today. Remind us, O God, that we've got to put our full hope and trust in you. Lord, I pray that for our families. I pray that for our church. I pray that for leaders in the church. I pray that for all of us, God, that we would be putting our full hope and trust in you. Oh God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your word. And thank you for reminding us of how easy it is to be deceived by wealth. 
Lord, we don't want to be those people where, where we're so deceived that the money and the wealth and the riches choke out the good work you're doing in us. We want to be generous, rich in good deeds, doing good things with all these riches you've poured into our lives. Lord, may it be so. Teach us, teach us, teach us. Mold us, shape us. Be in us. I pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus and Nazarene. Amen. Amen. I hope you're learning right alongside with me, guys. We're learning together how to do it God's way. I pray you have a great week. Go with God, and may God shine through you, Harvest Point. See you next week. Don't miss it.